the free for all roundtable round two on round two let's say good morning to tim hudak former leader of the ontario conservatives he's now at the ontario real estate association pamela palmater is here a lawyer professor and activist and bob reed principal at broadwaystrategy.com the guy behind touchdowns and fumbles heard on the jerry agar show on fridays good morning to you all and let's actually start with the inquiry in ottawa into the declaration of the emergencies act and uh, i'm joined the company of many who are becoming somewhat frustrated at the fact that nobody ever seems to be able to tell the same story. Uh, But Bob Reed, let me start with you. Maybe it's not surprising that different police departments are going to disagree with each other and that all of them seem to have somewhat of a political agenda when it comes to the government. Well, I think that is the story. The fact that all of these different police organizations seem to be telling different stories and had a different take on things at the outset. And that's probably why things didn't go that well. So uh, as as murky as it seems and as head scratching that it is that all of these organizations who have an intelligence component, who are supposed to have, you know, undercover folks who uh, can get the inside track on what an organized protest is is planning to do and some of the measures that they're planning on taking, why they couldn't have a clear and coherent picture, that is, uh, I mean, as I say, as, as head scratching as that is, the fact that that's being revealed uh, and that more pertinent questions can be asked and and ideally uh, to make things better the next time there's a need for these folks to come together uh, is is the objective. So as as murky as it is and as frustrating as it may seem at this point, I think the inquiry is actually doing its job. And Pamela Palmater, maybe Bob's point is that there had to be some sort of central command and that may have necessitated the Emergencies Act, but that this sort of internecine warfare between the police departments and the federal government is precisely why everything was so dysfunctional for three weeks. Yeah, I think there's a lot of factors here. I mean, the fact that they're all coming from very obvious political directions, some of them having sympathy. We know we saw individual officers having sympathy for the protests. So you've got that happening amongst the members. You've got a whole bunch of disorganization. And I, and I would suggest for very political purposes. And then you have the problem that's within police forces across the country where they're not always very honest about what they've done, what they knew, what they didn't know and they're not compelled to say anything that would incriminate themselves. So you've got this big mess and and you can see it's coming out in the inquiry because clearly they didn't strategize amongst themselves before they went, which they usually do in legal proceedings. Yeah, Tim Hudak, normally in trial proceedings, I think some people who have not watched a trial would be surprised at how much a judge can participate from time to time in the trial. And normally in a trial, if there's contradictory evidence being offered, then the judge would lean forward and say, okay, what is it? Which is it? Make your choice here. Yeah, well, I, look, I, I feel I feel good about this. I, it's nice to see us doing things right and, and, and getting to the bottom of it. As confusing as it may be, I think there are a number of issues that are emerging a bit more clearly each and every day. And we have avoided the type of circus we've seen in other jurisdictions or other types of committee hearings. So, I mean, commend the judge the way this process is going. I like it. it's cross-examining things. But three things that are jumping out at me, increasingly it looks to me, uh, like we're heading towards a conclusion that the threshold was not met to invoke the Emergencies Act. There's no evidence yet to say that it really has. So I think we're heading in that direction so far. And it seems to be a, a view, too, that the police did have the tools they needed under the Provincial Emergencies Act 
seems to be emerging as one of the truths. The, the clear truth to date, though, is, oh, what a friggin' mess the Ottawa police and council were, though. Hey, eh, John, like the confusion there, the lack of leadership, the navel gazing and got us into this mess. That's coming out loud and clear. Um, we didn't get to this on the first roundtable, which is why I'm uh, racking it up for you folks right now. And that is a U.K., um, a British the foreign secretary in the government uh, telling people who are going to Qatar that they need to be mindful of the fact that it's a Muslim country, and especially when it comes to LGBTQ uh, aspects, that they should just, you know, basically cover it all up. Uh, Pamela Palmiter, that you know, strikes me as the advice you used to get as a black person going into the American South, uh, where you were told, don't be too black, don't get any in anybody's face. That's ridiculous. Exactly. And, you know, I'm all for people respecting other people's cultures, the actual cultural part of whatever country or community it is. It's a problem we've had in the past, but you can't ask people to respect human rights violations. I mean, that is just something that we should be calling out and we do call out and we do condemn. And it's just unimaginable that someone would say literally, you know, don't be yourself if you want to go and watch this game, despite the the human rights violations that are happening. So I, I agree. The fact that this was even suggested is so far out of the norm. And it really is beyond. It's like that's what someone would say 40 years ago, where today most people are very conscious of human rights and the difference between human rights violations and actual culture. And Tim Hudak, this kind of comes back to something I wrote a column about many years ago called the tolerance of intolerance. Uh, you don't have to tolerate people who have no regard for women or no regard for gay people, or there's a whole shopping list of things the Qataris don't have any regard for. Yes, absolutely uh, true. And, you know, quite frankly, I think one of the most corrupt organizations uh, is is FIFA and places in the Regantu, like Qatar in Russia, were mind-boggling uh, decisions. But so the main point here, this is a, a, a disgraceful and, and embarrassing own goal uh, by the British Foreign Secretary James Clever. Like I just, the, the Conservative Party there, which tends to be the natural governing party, really uh, is a mess. And the fact that he would make such a, a, a disgraceful uh, error shows they need an incredible shakeup there. Yeah, and actually, Bob Reed, I was looking at uh, a sign the other day on Twitter of all the things you can't do uh, in Qatar. And basically, it seems that this soccer match is going to be a fairly joyless affair. Oh, for sure. Yeah, there are there are restrictions and uh, and and uh, tough rules all all the way around. Uh, I think we're all unanimous uh, on on this side of of the line, saying it's reprehensible. So many of the things uh, that are uh, are illegal in in that country, um, but. That said, and I'm not I'm not defending the the comment from the minister, but the fact is, the fact is, whether it's China, whether it's Iran, whether it's Qatar, whether it's insert name of country here, if those are the rules there, you need to be aware of them going in. That doesn't mean deny who you are and all of that kind of thing. But at the same time, uh, some of the voices who are cited, one was somebody who went to stage to stage a one-man protest. Well, if you're going to get up in the grill, there can be repercussions as unjustified in a fair society as they are. So people do need to be aware that, hey, they don't tolerate 
things outside of, of, of the lines like we do, you need to know that going in. If you're going to attend voluntarily, if you're making the decision to travel there, you need to understand the lay of the land going in. And, and that, unfortunately, is a reality. The latest census results, which have been unveiled, show that newcomers now form a quarter of Canada's population. Uh, Pamela, I'll start with you because uh, perhaps it should be noted you're not exactly a newcomer. Yeah, no, <laughs> we're the uh, originals. Um, th this is uh, the kind of statistics that, that I think is happening, you know, all over the world as more and more people migrate to different countries for different reasons. It could be family jobs. It could be as refugees escaping war or persecution, that kind of thing. But it also goes to show that there's there's a large variety of cultures and people in our country and that they're coming here. They want to be a part of Canada. And I would just add that, you know, we should be very conscious that while while Canada is encouraging immigration, uh, you know, over a million people a year for native people, they still have the Indian Act that has a legislative extinction date for us. I mean, literally every First Nation has an extinction date. So th there's still a problem with uh, allowing the first peoples to be who they are um, and uh, and the contradiction between what we should be doing, welcoming all cultures. Okay, need to know more. What do you mean by extinction date? What is that? So in the Indian Act, they have a formula where they determine who's an Indian and who isn't a First Nations person. And uh, they have a, a formula whereas after two generations, you're not allowed to be native anymore. And if you combine that with the fact that they divided us into small reserves and put us all over the place near urban areas or remote areas with a high degree of intermarriage, that guarantees our extinction and due to the government's own research, they can actually point to a rough date when each First Nation won't exist anymore, even though we'll still be there as people. Okay. This is part of, as I always like to say, a longer conversation. Uh, yeah. Bob Reed, 25% of the population in Canada are newcomers. And, you know, maybe this is this topic is offered up as bait because nobody's ever going to say anything negative. But a lot of people probably are thinking negative things about a stat like that. Bob Reed, uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here. Uh, ne negative, people are thinking negative about it in, in, in what way, John? Just that, you know, I'll get texts from people saying we've let in too many people, the culture has been fundamentally changed, I don't like uh, multiculturalism, and on it goes. Right. Okay. Right. Un undermining our traditional ways of life and value and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Which is which is utter nonsense. Um, what what the stats actually show is that it's uh, in in terms of uh, a significant decline in those reporting denominations. It's it's Christians and it's and it's those who have been here for a while. So it's got really nothing to do with uh, with, with with newcomers and new faiths coming into the country. Uh, it's 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 reflective uh, right here. They're linked, said a senior analyst, with with just uh, do, domestic, if you will, Christians saying, "Yeah, I, I'm I'm not subscribing to that anymore." Okay, we're at a racetrack, but my thanks to Bob Reed, Tim Hudak, Pamela Palmenter. Catch the roundtable round one at seven forty-five, round two at eight forty-five. Weekday mornings on More in the Morning News Talk ten ten Toronto.